0: Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autism community to learn from their stories, experiences and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On this episode of Autism Stories, we talk for the first time with siblings first time of the 99 episodes. Bernard and Burnett Grant join us to discuss their careers living in a non-binary world and how they embrace their autistic identities. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Bernard and Burnett, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh yeah, thanks for, for having us. Yeah, thank you want to start out and learn, where do your stories in the autism community begin? Our stories be- be-
1: begin try- quite similarly. With um, no, it might not have anything to do with twinship. I don't know. So um, we were working in, in different places, and I don't know if we were re- really talking very much at the time. Um, in, in the same city, but we. Each, I worked at. A, I'll just talk about myself. I worked as a caregiver, and I just started. I just. Noticed that my clients were autistic, and I didn't know that I was autistic. My co-workers were neurotypical, and I just understood the autistic people a lot better. So in private, they were considered non-verbal, but they would somewhat well talk to me more than they would talk to anyone else. One of them, um, who wouldn't do anything without someone telling them to, and um, he started brushing his teeth um, on his own just to be talking to him about it. It just became very obvious the more time I spent there that I was autistic, because I started to learn that people—I I, I, believe in these old, uh, these myths about autism that it's some kind of illness and just all these other things. But especially that you know you're you, you know you're autistic, like you would um, you would have known sometime in your childhood, um, it would have been obvious. You look like something. Um, but then someone told me that. Either her husband or her husband's friend or something, but he was in his 50s, that he, he found out he was autistic um, later in life. So then that just made more sense. That just made sense to me. From then on, I knew I was autistic, but my sibling, uh, Brunette, um, accepted those right away. And I guess over the years, tried to make me, um, ass- not make me, but encourage me to accept my autism. Um, but I, I just wouldn't until this recent pandemic. I actually didn't accept it right away. Oh, no, that, that was when I became aware of it. But it was, um, I just didn't think anything of it. I don't know. I guess I didn't care. I don't know. I don't, it, it, it didn't seem to matter. I just didn't think of anything of it. I just i just thought it kind of made sense that like I, I was autistic and I wasn't like most people. But I didn't think it meant anything until I, it was probably. A few years later, I saw a therapist. who wasn't helpful at all about my depression and anxiety. She thought said that she thought that I was I was autistic. That wasn't the first time it came up in my life, so I was thinking that I might be. But I stopped seeing that therapist. She just wasn't helpful with anything. I don't think she liked me. I just, I don't really know. She just didn't seem interested. But anyway, but I was in, I was in college um, at that time. And this was years after doing caregiving. And um, I had met autistic people. They told me that I was like them. And I had friends who were familiar with autism so that they, they thought I was. And then that's when I stopped ignoring it. And so I guess I fully accepted it about five years ago. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and um, I started reading, just re- reading and researching, stopped trying to, to date, and stopped using. Facebook and just started, stopped doing things that no, that I didn't think made sense to me for a long time because um, and, cause I wanted to start living autistically. Oh, I just remember like over the years, I met a lot of autistic people and most of whom, if not all, didn't identify as autistic, but like had autistic children. And when I, if I said something to them about them being autistic, they wouldn't reject it, and they would say oh, probably like um, so. It just became clear to me how easily I could see that other people were like me, and that was something I kept seeing over and over in the years that made me know. But also, just that I didn't know. I don't know what most people are talking about. I don't understand social language. So that was just a very main obvious thing with me,
0: Burnett. You work in a field um, that sounds fascinating to me, which is flavor chemistry. What is it about um, this industry that made they want made you want to pursue uh, this as a career?
1: Um, I didn't decide to pursue this as a career. I got a de- my degree in molecular biology. I really liked um, biology and chemistry. I had a couple of different jobs after graduating, um, just um, doing just routine testing of different things. I was working in um, cannabis. and and hemp lab testing that and working in a urinalysis, urinalysis lab
0: and I didn't like that
1: at all um I and that was in Washington and so well when I wanted to get out of there well I wanted to move up here to where Bernard is studying at UC and so I started looking at jobs here before I came and um I saw um flavor chemistry stuff and that was the first I heard of it so um yeah I started um yeah, I just started looking for it right away when I got here. Um, interviewed a few places, like two different
0: places, and got into one. I've been doing that for the past two years. And, and Bernard, you're you're in the process of getting your PhD in uh, comparative literature and creative writing. I read where you're writing a novel of stories that focus on a mixed race family, and that includes autistic characters. What are what are some of the like? Essential elements for you that you're trying to get across when writing this family and these characters.
1: So I didn't think of what I wanted to get across until very recently. So I think it's more writing for me with this book for me was more of a process of just understanding these people and these um, and the city and society we live in, with them all being um, different. Um, backgrounds, different demographics, races, um, genders, as well as neurotypes. The neurotypes were like there were uh, two autistic people in that I wrote very early on, but then recently having accepted my autism over the summer, I was revising the manuscript and understanding that two other characters are also autistic. I just didn't, I didn't realize that they were until I rewrote it and It's a very strange thing. Like, over the years, I've been told that, especially one of those particularly, there's something, as talking people talking about that there's something wrong with her, that she doesn't behave. um, Just, her behavior isn't appropriate or something. It didn't make sense to them. Um, People, mentors and people reading the novel or reading the individual stories. But I'm realizing now that she's autistic and there's nothing wrong with the way she behaves. There's nothing wrong with the way any any of the characters behave except for, I want to show how people I think that humans consistently misbehave and so I'm looking at that too so showing how these minorities who um, people say that they they misbehave but really they just don't especially the neuro minorities they don't conform to society they don't behave the way society says they, they should behave and even if they do they get in trouble so then, showing that I want to show like certain privileged people how, at times they, um, especially, um, particularly neurotypical straight white males, how they um, can um, abuse their privilege or just take it for granted. But also showing how there are some people with privilege who uh, is trigger But I think that mostly this book is more frightening than anything else. So. Telling these stories through these minorities and looking realistically at society. Um, I, I'm realizing now how how horrifying a lot of my writing is, but I just think that's the reality of their experiences, of my experiences, of a, of a lot of people's experiences. I'm more trying to understand right now than, or I think I'm writing this to, more try, to understand more than trying to get something across. But... Um, I think that is definitely something that I hope, if I am getting something across that is not negative, <laughs> that it's more uh,
0: beneficial to society than harmful. Uh, Absolutely. Reading, reading your writing, I definitely felt your characters, and it, it, it was qu- quite good. Uh, no, now, thank you. Now, I'm wondering, Burnett, I've never had a writer include me in stories that they have written, so I I think I might have some mixed emotions uh, (laughs) about that. Uh, Therefore, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on being um, an important figure in at least a few of Bernard's um, outstanding stories he's written? I think
1: I might be unusually detached from my ego, and I, I recently learned a term that describes my lack of um, um, emotional range, I guess, um, alexithymia where I just have a hard time identifying my emotions and other people's emotions. And, um, and, and I think and most of the time I just feel neutral about things, but, but just about everything. Um, so, um, so, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, no, it's great, actually. Um. Um. When I think I believe, like artists need. Um. It's important for Bernard to be able to pull from. Um, from their personal experience, and I'm. 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 I'm a lot of um, Bernard's personal experience. I've been there for a lot of it, and I wouldn't want to place any restrictions on that. But yeah, I don't. I don't think you care. I don't have <laughs> any feelings about it. Yeah, I really like Bernard's writing. Yeah, it's um. It, it, I like well, how it shows um, um, truth and honesty that people seem afraid of for, for whatever
0: reason. Absolutely, definitely comes across. Now, you two are siblings, but you're also i identical twins, so you de- there's definitely look look similar. <laughs> I'm sure you you've heard that many times, but you know. I'm wondering, you know, we live in a society based so much on, you know, visually what we see. So is there one thing people assume or one stereotype that in particular that you wish you could hear for the last time in terms of how uh, the two of you look there's similar? There's a lot. There's
1: a lot. And I'm so glad for this pandemic because going, not, I'm not glad that there's a pandemic, though. I, I say that. But it's not that part of it. I shouldn't say that. Sorry. I'm glad that 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 or isolation quarantine has become normalized because then I don't need to go to the grocery store because that's when I went in the I would that's what we're hearing just all the time. We it, can't get anywhere. It's essentially harassment. It is. But it's, um, if 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 you pitch one of them, will the other one kill it? I don't even remember. It's hard to remember it, for me to remember stereotypes. Probably because it's probably the, the autism. There's just there's so much of a social construct. And to know stereotypes, I have to be reminded of them. And I don't really go out and really talk to people. But it's it's this idea that I don't know what they are specifically. They're nonsensical, but it's this idea <laughs> that we're the same person. It's the idea that because because we're there, that we're there for their entertainment. That we—it's this, this, this idea that we want attention. Oh, it's a lot like with men do with with women they find attractive. Or people just people are just—I think it's just everyone people are just obsessed. Not everyone. A lot of people are just obsessed with appearances. So if people think we want attention. If we complain about it, then they say, "Oh, well, it's good attention." And it's just like um, just no personal space. But also, it feels unsafe when we're walking and someone driving by screams. Twins. <laughs> it feels unsafe. And, yeah, and it's weird because I thought that it would stop with with the mask, but we we wear a mask and it doesn't. I think it's become a really more of a game for people. Because <laughs> the more the, what they what they do typically is, are y'all twins? And it, of course we going to say yes, and then they say um, I knew it, and then they bring in the question. So they, it's but now it's um, it's more of a game because we, we don't. I guess we have the mask on, so they say, are you twins? And we say yes or whatever. It doesn't matter what our body language is or that we we never stopped walking to get away from them. They, But they're even more excited now because I guess they really are weren't even sure because we have masks on, but it doesn't stop. I wish that
0: they, I wish that people would stop talking to us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yes, okay. So to answer, to answer your question specifically, the one thing that I want people to stop because this takes the most time is making the assumption that because we're twins, that we want to hear their stories about twins that they know or oh twins in their families because that takes the most time. If, it's if, they, if, they, say, if they say, are your twins, then we can say yes and keep walking. But if they pull out their phone and uh-huh. say, I've got, I've got twin nephews, you want to see pictures? Why would I want to see <laughs> pictures of twins? If I want to see tw- pictures of twins, I would go look it up. But that's weird. I don't, I don't want to see pictures of twins just because I'm a twin. Yeah. And they, they also think that we want to talk about twin hit all the time. And I don't even think about it. I don't see why I would think about being a twin. It's not helpful. It's just a thing. Like, we were just born at the same time, and we look similar. And that's just like, and yeah, I don't, I don't, but yeah, this idea that we, we want to talk about it, that it's always in our minds, that we're here for your entertainment, and, and, we have unlimited amounts of time to spend at the grocery store just talking to you. It's it's bizarre. Um, and I and it's also um, dangerous because I'm, I'm autistic and that it I don't have social anxiety anymore, but it does make me feel unsafe. And it also doesn't allow me to focus. It drains me really fast, so then I forget why I'm at the grocery store. I just want to leave really fast. It, um, I'm sure it's led to previous autistic burnout.
0: So it's not, hel- it's not healthy for us at all. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of my favorite things that I do each month is facilitate a group for autistic uh, transgender people. So, in doing research to inter- bo- interview both of you, I read that you both go by they-them pronouns. So, I'm just kind of wanting to hear your perspective in how you look at our society's construct as gender being a binary thing. I mean, that's imaginary. It's a social construct, gender. I do think it's wonderful that, that you run that, that group. I would like to know more about
1: that. Um, though I'm not transgender, I don't. I can't because I, I, I don't I mean I don't believe in gender I don't experience gender, um, and so I do think society's belief in gender is very harmful because one I, I think people just believe sex and gender are the same thing and then there's two sexes and two genders and none of that's true, but I mean it's this belief in gender um, at least in, rape was still cons rape would still exists without gender but gender does is i mean rape is a racial uh, a gendered violence and that's something that um i, I just think that gen- this, uh, this belief in gender or the gender binary um especially just the gender binary um that that bolsters this um the just the amount of the i guess the frequency with which rape happens i see um rape as a as a cultural trauma i view rape as a cultural trauma like um the 9/11 checks are cultural trauma like um, the Holocaust, uh, slavery, American slavery, and I see, I, I see rape is is it just it just has it has just as much significance, and people um, fear it. Especially as an autistic person, I've been placed in situations where it's uh, it's almost happened to me, just not reading social cues and. Certain people just, you know, being able to manipul- ma- ma- manipulate me, and the the fact that I don't um, perform gender, I'm asexual, but a lot of um, closeted men think that I'm gay. I wonder if I, but the way they approach me, I wonder if they think that I'm a closeted gay person. I do wonder that because it's just the way they say it. Are you gay? And then, the, but they're always, it's always very sneaky. Uh, not always. I mean, often when when I feel like I'm in danger, when they. Things are just trying to happen and I've been lured into homes and I'm just not, as naive as I used to be, I just don't really talk to people as much as I used to. I just stay away from people. But I do I do believe, um, believing in that binary is very dangerous, but it's just also wrong, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I like truth, I love truth. Yeah, gender is weird. Okay, so I, I don't perform, I don't have a social performance, so I don't perform masculinity or femininity. And uh, I don't ever think about it, and so I'm not going to pick it. I'm just not tribal in the least in any way, mm. so, um, but also I'm so aware of how imaginary gender is, um, especially looking at it from the idea of it being a binary, it's, a lot of people are unable to separate the, the social construct of, of gender from, their, from the biological concept of sex which in itself is not binary, because if it was binary, then intersex people wouldn't exist. But they do exist, so, um, <laughs> so sex isn't binary. So um, if you are saying that gender is an extension directly related to sex, then it can't be binary either. But then also, anyone can perform masculinity or femininity regardless of their sex. So I can't pretend, I can't pretend that any of this makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm non-binary. I'm just out of it. I'm not <laughs>
0: Now, with autism stories, I always hope this is a platform for autistic people to share their experience, as they they definitely the true experts of the autistic experience. So, how do you think it can be helpful to autistics in embracing being um, autistic as an important identity in their lives? I think the most urgent thing is
1: just like very literally avoiding. Function so um, to avoid Bernard, you you need to know who you are. You need to know what autism is, but also and knowing, I think it's important to know what the neurotypical world is and to understand what you accept, what aspects of the neurotypical world you accept, what aspects you reject, and and know why. Um, and just um, also, I'm speaking from my experience, but also researching deeply and. Researching a lot, just learning from autistic voices, learning how all the other um, artists speak for, about ourselves, or learning um, your similarities, um, what's different, um, how you can—I think it's helpful to join the autism community in whatever way you can, just to to come c- contribute your voice. So it helps. It helps, like it helps me to avoid burnout to avoid that again. But it also helps me to. I've helped other people come to people who said, um, I think I'm autistic. I, but then they go on and just, does, everything they say is clearly autism. And I say, the book I always give to say is Philip Wiley's, um, a very Late diagnosis. Um, because it's, it's somewhat personal. It has a little bit of personal narrative, but not too much. It's mostly a manual. Um, and I, I just think, um, the biggest thing i learned from there is learning to forgive yourself because you when you learn that you're autistic yourself you're autistic you learn that you have been correct your your, your whole life and that not necessarily the people people have been wrong but a lot of people have been wrong the way they've spoken to you but they just they have their way of doing things and you have ways that you need to start learning to do things and those ways that you need to start doing things um are need to be autistic which but which it means that they need to be individualized so that you need to learn how to be you and you can't learn how to be you if you're not um, if you're not practicing autism if you're not living an autistic um, life um, engaging your special interests observing only um, material and information that's that, that's logical and that's beneficial to you in some way one thing that drove me to burnout and one thing because i would not accept that i was i knew i was autistic but i thought this idea that I had years ago was that um, I've had this belief in this high functioning thing, which is not real. There's no f- such thing as high functioning or low functioning. But so I thought I didn't have to study autism because I, I didn't have to learn about it because I'm doing just fine. But the thing was, I was listening to because a lot of music out there, a lot of mostly most popular music is illogical. I was listening to that, listening to things I didn't believe, things that were making me sick but not knowing it, like waking up in the morning, throwing up, watching. Um, watching things that were just not what I believed, I was absorbed and talking to people who I didn't really like and were. But it was just a, what it is. It feels like it's just trying to absorb a lot of illogicalness, a lot of illogical behavior, a lot of illogical words. And I think I, when I know that when I learned that I was am autistic and I'm just I'm just logical. When I cut all of that out, which is basically cutting out everything that's unhealthy. Um, I start feeling sick. I feel very calm. I feel I feel wonderful because I'm just autistic, and I know who I am. I know what I like, and yeah, I'm just me. But I'm still constantly, I, like you. I imagine that's why you you've created autism story. Just you're, you're trying to learn as much about the autistic experience, also the neurodiversity, neurodiverse the diversion experience. We're trying to learn about how we see society because I think we know so much about how neuro. <coughs> how neurotypicals view society. We know so much about it, but how much of that is helpful to us? So I think it's help, it's helpful to learn about how other autistic people view society, um, pairing that with how neurotypicals view society, and then thinking about who, who you are, who you want to be, what are your special interests, and how can you use those other views to shape your own, take what you need and leave the rest. So yeah, every autistic person should know who they are, but everyone, uh, neurotypical, neurodivergent or whatever. Everyone needs to know who they are. But I, 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 I just need to avoid burnout. That's I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um and yeah uh, so um autistic people it's it's best to um well learn how your how your brain works and then um and also learn what aspects of neurotypical society you can where you feel comfortable. And, um, like just carve out your little sections and your home where you can practice solitude and your work or wherever yeah but yeah that's that's largely a burnout um, avoiding doing all the things that society expects that you can do and should do even though you don't need to and um, isn't good for you learning about autism from autistic people yes yeah, um, yeah. and so literature and, um, and podcasts and social media, wherever, just learning from autistic people. Yeah, and I should say that the neurotypical lens on autism, the neurotypical world, sees autism as a mystery. Similarly, I see neurotypicals as mysterious, but I don't try to change them. I say that because I don't think that neurotypicals understand autism. I'm sure there are, I mean, uh, neurotypicals who do understand autism, but a lot of the people who are speaking for us, I don't think that um, autistic people, I don't think anyone really benefits from listening to them unless they're with a, an autistic person. Unless that autistic person is speaking with them, unless that autistic person, is, that autistic person needs to be speaking more than they are, the neurotypicals probably don't need to speak at all. So I just, yeah, so I just, I, when I said, um, listening to autistic voices. Everyone should listen to autistic voices, not just autistic
0: people. Ab- absolutely. And um, if if people want to learn more about the two of you after listening to you, to, to this interview today, how can they get in contact with you?
1: Um, oh, I'm on LinkedIn. started using that somewhat recently. And then I have a website, which is my name, BernardGrant.com. Um... So I, I'm not sure if that will teach you about me so much. It'll teach you about my interest, my special interests and somewhat about how I engage in them. Mm-hmm. But, um, um, yeah. And I am not link them. Um, <laughs> 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 um and yeah, so Burnett Grant, I'm there. And, um, there's probably no one else named Burnett Grant. I doubt it. <laughs> so that'd be easy to find. And then, uh, oh, and that's, it's the same though. Well, I think we're really taking that question too literally. Learn more about the both of you. You'll learn about me. You'll probably just
0: learn about my interests because I don't talk about myself. But anyway, yeah, just LinkedIn. Well, well, thanks so much to the both of you. Really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, look forward to talking you. to you again sometime. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening and thanks so much to Bernard and Burnett for the conversation. To learn more about them, check out the links in the podcast description for this episode. You'll also find a link for a free call to discuss how coaching from Autism Personal Coach can help you, so book a call with me today. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. It's hard to believe, but next week will be the 100th episode of Autism Stories. Next week's episode, we will celebrate that milestone with talking with C.V. Bodine. Talk to you then.